Hello and welcome back to another episode of the CrossFit Harrow Podcast. This is episode 88 and today we have Catherine. Catherine, thanks for joining us. First question that goes out, as always, is what brought you to CrossFit Harrow? Uh, recommendation from colleagues that I work with who know that I'm very competitive <laughs> and like my sport and with COVID shutting down netball, which I used to play in London, and I really like gym classes in general, which they aren't offered where I work, so I thought that I would look into it, and yeah. so here I am. Brought, brought you here. <laughs> has, has, uh, has fitness always been a big part of your life? I've always played a lot of sports, so yeah. at school it was the kind of standard sports that you would play, so hockey, netball, um, tennis, played hockey at university, um, and then since going for my professional career, just played netball um, socially every week. So netball is the one that you stuck with? It's easier to stay with because you, with my work, I work Saturdays, so I couldn't do hockey and have hockey fixtures. Whereas netball, I could just turn up and play a match. With no, like, with commitment no, to it? Yeah, so... But hockey, is that Saturday? Is, is that run on Saturdays? It would be a training once or twice a week and then matches on Saturdays or Sundays. Right. And because I work Saturdays, it would it's just not really feasible to be able to do it. Fine. So netball's easy. And still play netball now? Yeah. No. <laughs> What's, what's happened? Uh, COVID okay. s- stopped obviously everything. And then when they reintroduced it, they had to change the rules slightly. So you had to start further apart and just various different rules within the game of netball, which I didn't like the idea of. And well, it's generally no contact, right? Anyway. Meant to be. But I mean, you are... Very close. There is, there is natural barging within the game. Um, and you are literally next to your opponent for the whole game. Okay. Um, and so I didn't re-sign back on and got into running instead as a, I can just do, even if it is lockdown. Yeah. And then I just never went back, but, really. But going on to that netball, yeah. surely more distance apart in netball would have made it harder. Yeah. A lot harder. So, so naturally you start with the centre pass, where there's the centre in the middle and you have four of each team able to get the ball within the centre third. And yet you normally are starting right next to your player and the whole point is you're quick on your feet to get round and you know fool them one way to go another but if you're already starting four feet apart you can just step forward and get the ball yeah so it's it would have changed the game but I didn't actually I haven't played it oh so you at all wow. mainly because it's also an hour for me to get into London to play it because there weren't any close by Teams. of the leagues that I wanted so So there are there's obviously different leagues and standards and stuff um you got into to running through the covid bits and pieces yeah Um, so when teaching online yeah any uh marathons on the horizon no i did a half marathon years ago didn't love it it's a very mental game everyone a lot of people say that yeah it's all in the the mind and i just didn't love it but then i reckon i'm going to try and do the school half marathon next year okay because um, I did the 10k a few weeks ago and felt like I should have maybe tried to have done more had I kept my running up. Yeah, but I guess that's one thing that's a different kettle of fish because you haven't kept that yeah. running. So being able to complete 10k off the cuff. No, but that for me, I mean, I know I would be able to technically run a half marathon today, but then I wouldn't be able to do it particularly well because I haven't done the training. But physically, I know whether Definitely my body would be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so um, that that's uh, that's on, on the list. And then what? Like growing up, you said mm. like sport was a, a big part. What what? Um, how did you combine? Like was was 
was there much of because people I think when people grow up right they they go through different like routes right some people go into like PlayStation and Xbox and some are just completely sport were you completely sport or you were were you like well it's through school so we I was at school where you're at school till 8pm at night right and you get there at 8am half 8 in the morning so it wasn't boarding school it wasn't boarding so I'd get a bus at 8pm to go home so you would have done your like evening work or prep at school and then get the bus home so the actual time at home was minimal so you had the opportunity to do everything so I was very much I like doing everything I love my sport but then I also like doing my drama so I did a lot of school plays I played some instruments and and yeah so it was kind of I like mixing violin and piano Uh, like to (laughs) is it because they're violins all all grading yeah so I got to grade five in both and then didn't do any further than that we obviously had Julian on last week and he said uh, or no a couple of weeks ago and he said he's violin or he's grade four mm-hmm. violin um, but that requires like a lot of time and discipline yeah which is why I didn't continue at post school so I did violin up to then stopped because you got if you don't practice you just can't do it similar with sport really yeah, you, yeah, practice, yeah. you can't do it um, and so stopped violin when I left school and I just play piano for fun now what, what was it, I, I don't think I've ever got around to ask him this question, but what was it about the violin that intrigued you that you wanted to, to play it? I don't really know. I started very young. I started maybe age 10 with two of my best friends and we were in a group class learning together. And I don't know, I liked the sound that it created and in, in the instrument itself is a very cool instrument to play. Yeah, I, I went to... Um... Uh, this cathedral thing with like, mm. Black Swan and, and, and girlfriend, and I was watching the uh, what, what is uh, the violinist? Is that mm-hmm. a word? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Uh, and like, I was appreciating how difficult mm. it was to play that instrument, and like they were reading music at the same time, which yeah. is even like yeah. Harder. Although it hindered me slightly because I learned to play the violin first, right. which meant I learned to read the music by fingers on the on the violin. So then when I had to transfer to learning piano With and sight reading piano, I couldn't get my head around what was Where your what finger was should what. be on the piano, Because yeah. I was, I learned as, oh, that's the second finger on the A string or whatever else. So I, it wasn't beneficial for me in terms of sight reading music. And that's but is it like universal? That. So where your fingers would be on the violin, is that, would it be saying like the notes on the piano? Like? Uh, no. No. Because on a violin, you've only got the four strings right. of which you can be in like the lower position or the higher position. Whereas on piano, you've obviously got all the octaves. So you need to be able to read music well. But I learnt it mentally the wrong way to start with. So it was hard to change yeah. out of that. Yeah, yeah. It would have been easy for you to learn piano first. Yeah. Um, school, what was the route that you... Uh, was it university route that you went down? So you are a maths teacher. I am. As well as assistant housemaster. So first of all, math teacher. Yeah. Why? So <laughs> I... Yeah, did maths at school, had two amazing teachers and liked the fact that it's right or wrong. So you can't blag your way in an exam. You have to be able to <laughs> yeah, get it right it's or wrong. Data, statistics. And I wasn't always the brightest, but it, if you worked hard at it, it paid off. So when it came to the, like options for university, it was kind of the only subject that I felt I could move into university with. So I did maths with management. So it was a bit of accounting and business as well, originally with the intention of going into the city. Um, but I've always liked working with kids. And so when in my final year at uni up at Newcastle, um, I got 
a school came in and were basically saying we're short on math teachers new school opening up near Newcastle um you know think of teaching and I did but I didn't go to that school I applied to ones down south uh, near to where I went to school myself it was maternity cover for a term and here I am now in my seventh year teaching so, oh wow yeah it worked out all right um, then so yeah I love it <laughs> but because there was a thing at one stage where like schools were crying out specifically for maths they still are, are they, they still maths are? and sciences they're always going to be short of you I remember when we first met you said we were talking about maths and you said um you probably didn't enjoy because I told you I didn't enjoy it mm. you said that because you didn't have a very good teacher and you have to like your teacher mm. to enjoy maths yeah and that is actually very true well I just feel like if you enjoy if you enjoy the lessons and you like your teacher and you feel like they're helping you it's easy for you to learn you naturally want to do better in it yeah so I mean, you that's naturally like anything, want like, to work yeah. hard yeah and then it comes just from naturally doing some more um yeah so your, your job application was firstly just maternity cover? Well, no, it was for a job, but because I was fresh out of uni, they offered me maternity cover. Fine. So I had a term, and then... That's a f- very short space of time to, like, prove... Yeah. yeah, and then I stayed at that school for another three and a half years, so... Wow. Um, um, Newcastle? Newcastle. I've heard lots of crazy stories about Newcastle. <laughs> is yeah. it as crazy as it... I've never been. It is exactly as it sounds. Exactly as it sounds. Um, what what uh, before we get into the the nigger of that what um what, what why didn't you go to work in Newcastle what was it down back down you wanted to be close to home close to the family um, I love Newcastle as a place but it was very much my student town and I couldn't imagine being there not as a student and I still couldn't even imagine now um, but and it's just being close to all my family are down south yeah so yeah. it was that really. so Newcastle's wild. How wild on a scale of one to ten? One being not so much, ten being absolutely fucking insane. A nine. Nine. Solid nine. Wow. <laughs> Is that student life? I mean, it was three troubles for a fiver on a night out. So, I mean, in London, you can't even get a single for a fiver. No. So, it was... The drinks are now like ten pound. Yep. A cocktail, let's say, or even a beer is like five, six, seven yeah. pound. So, it was easy as a student to have a good time in Newcastle because of the price. Yeah, it's a very popular university, right? Mm. Um, what what do... I mean, obviously people go to universities for, for many... But what, what's the main... Like, what was the most attractive course there? What's, was there a specific... What is in... Of the university? Yeah. What was, was there? Th- uh, they're well known for their agrics, so they're like agriculture yeah. and like land study and all of that. Oh, right, okay. Um, so they've got quite a big uptake for that, but I don't know... And they've got a hospital on site... Which oh, right. I know, know they get a lot of medics in. Um, did, did you choose Newcastle based on the fact of like Newcastle life, or because of the course that you? Bit of both. Bit of both. So I'd heard about it, went to visit it, and my mum said we're not going up unless you, there's a course there that you can apply for. So I found originally financial maths and management, which what I went in on, um, and it, yeah, I just fell in love with the city when I got there. So studying math, you at that like through uni, did you know that that was what you wanted to take in to like career-wise? No. No. I still had the intention of like business management. investment banking okay. kind of style, um, an office job. Whereas now I couldn't imagine that solely because my day is so varied every day. Like yes, I'm in the classroom, but I'm also on the sports field. I'm also in the boarding house. What, so, what was the turning point for you to realise actually like you're not going to go down that like banking city life? Well, I think it was just from starting teaching. I really loved the relationship you build with the children and what I, I enjoy going to work. And I always said I will do it until I don't enjoy it. Yeah. And I still enjoy it. So I don't see any need to try and change. 
How was uh, COVID for you through teaching? Because we've obviously, <laughs> we, we do have, generally we have a lot of teachers that come here as yeah. well. We've had a lot of teachers on the podcast. It was very interesting to see how COVID was for each individual. So it was challenging to start with. I live by myself. Okay. And I originally moved home when it was first announced, but it was impossible to work from home. I have four siblings. My sister's husband had moved in as well. And... I just couldn't teach, couldn't have strong enough Wi-Fi. <laughs> so I went back up, but that meant living by myself, teaching realistically to a black blank screen because none of them would want to put their cameras on. Um, yeah, what is that about, like, the youth? It's, I don't know. The older boys would be better, so the sick form they would. Um, and that's because, well, naturally, they're better at communicating and engaging. But the younger ones just, it I suppose was it, it was it was pretty new to them as well, right? Yeah, to, yeah. So they were... Not wanting to be, like, not cool, let's mm. say, by putting it on. And, like, I feel, even in a Zoom meeting in five minutes now, you look at yourself. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so that's a massive distraction. But then equally, if your camera's off, you can look at your phone, get up and go, you know. So it's, it was definitely better for them to have their camera on. Yeah, just so that you know they were... They, they might not even been engaged, but yes, you knew that they were they on are the there. Yeah. They are looking at what you're doing, at least. Um, so, yeah, lockdown one was tough but at least it was summer which I felt made it nicer so like I go for a walk every day and bump into colleagues so it wasn't so uh just yeah like alone really do do, do you think it made you a better teacher Mm, I don't know I'd like to think so in terms of it's helped me to try and understand and realize and I've realized this also from watching other people's lessons that I've been to like this term that they're coming into my classroom for 40 minutes as 40 minutes of their day where they've just come from something else, might be going somewhere else. And I've got to make that 40 minutes fun and engaging for them to take something away from that lesson. Mm. And that I really felt online as well. You had to make it so structured as to getting them involved, getting them doing something within such a short amount of time and then they're gone again. And I just feel like it has tried to make me be more... Creative. strict and, and creative in how I do teach it um, do, do, what about the kids do you find do, do you think it's a very hard question I guess do you think they learn less over that like not, not necessarily specifically your kids do you think so, overall well they feel less confident so everything I've taught them or anyone taught them in that time they come back and they don't trust that they've learnt it right and I, and I can't say why because the only difference was the fact that they weren't in physically in the classroom but they don't trust what they learn online. And I'll come back and be like, oh yeah, I didn't learn that. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you do this? And then they explain it. I'm like, okay, so you can. I, I think it's a difficult one really as well, because also, because it was so new to them, and a lot of people at the beginning mm. didn't really believe how long this was going to go on for. So it was almost like kind of winged their mm. way through that 40 mm. minutes or yeah. you know, didn't absorb the information. Whereas like now, if you're going into a Zoom meeting or you're going into something online, mm. you're actually like, generally, you're fully engaging it and taking that information mm. back. I was going to say the... Lockdown three in January, Feb was definitely better in terms of everyone knew the structure of how it was going to work. They knew the process of doing everything. Yeah. Um, and I quite like lockdown three because I moved home because various people, siblings had moved out and it was easier. And our job is so full on in terms of what I do in a day that actually it was quite nice to just focus on teaching mm. because I didn't, I had, you know, a few other things to do, but way less than my normal weekly commitments. Yeah. And it allowed me to focus on lessons, which was actually quite nice for a change. Do, do you? Do, do, I'm assuming that you prefer teaching in person than mm. than online. Yeah, massively so. 
I think I guess it depends on for some people what they're, what they're also teaching because some people maybe utilizing more technology would be better for them mm. and enjoy it mm. enjoy it more do they are you seeing the consequences we touched on it a little bit but are you seeing the consequences of that those last 12 months 18 months like coming through more definitely like we've got I've got an entire sick form year group two year groups that haven't sat a single public exam and they're about to sit their A-levels or GCSEs which normally they would have done normally they would have done their GCSEs and learnt how to like independently revise and teach themselves and study and then do a few more exams a few more trials so on so on whereas they're coming in having done not a single public examination and yet are expected to know what to do and cope with it they don't have a practice yeah, I guess that's probably a big thing, like the coping mechanisms for post-exam and pre-exam. We're just learning how to work. And like, so we've got exams coming up next week, just internal ones, but they're not the same level as the external ones. Then they haven't got the time to revise or learn how to revise as it would be in a summer ex- exam season. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on students, not necessarily at school now, but just in general? Yes, just in terms of grades are forever increasing. Obviously, last year they increased like 20% from what they were before. And university places are still asking for very high grades. So the expectations on what they get hasn't dropped anything. I assume they're trying, universities maybe trying to get a certain type of personnel Mm. through the door, which then doesn't create opportunities for those who might miss out or might not have the best uh, grades. Yeah, so like I've got a boy who's got... Uh, is being predicted a grade C in maths but grade C in maths A level is a very solid score because maths A level is hard I would have loved to have done that but <laughs> <I've got> that. <laughs> that's not going to get him a place at university or the university he's looking for because he it doesn't fit the criteria that they need to even start and so it's just a really tough so you, has teaching evolved at the same rate as those grades or the expectation of those what do you mean in like the, the expectations for them is to get higher results. Yeah. Has teaching changed that like there's new things being taught or like to support that new threshold? Mm, or is it down to the or is it down to the individual teacher and how they deliver that? It's more a bit of both. It's how it's taught, it's how the boys or how the students understand it, how they learn it. And then we're on a new syllabus that's only been around for f- four years, of which two years we haven't had exams. So it's it's inexperience of this new syllabus or new way of doing it as well. Now that you're a teacher, what mm. what as what would you have done differently as a student, knowing that you're, knowing what you know now as a, as a teacher? Yeah, it's weird to think. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> done a I'm, bit more work. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I'd have I, definitely applied myself more. Yeah, I had a... Uh, I didn't value it. ...a picture pop up from my upper sixth year where in a mock exam I'd drawn a calculator and written on it, I can't do maths. And that's my upper sixth year, <laughs> where and I irony, now right? am teaching and I have these upper sixth kids in front of me and I think, I must have been a nightmare. <laughs> but it was at that time, it was just, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And that annoyed me that it didn't make sense. Do, do you think that kids know the value of their education? Because I'll be Not honest. until they leave. Yeah, I, I... Not until they leave and look back. Yeah. And that's often really lovely when you see students that you've taught in the past mm. and they come back and they then realise quite how much of an impact you've had mm. in their general education as they go forward. And going into university where it's a completely different style of teaching and learning, they yeah. then look back and think, yeah, I had it good. But they don't see that at the time. There's a lot of pressures on teachers. 
I think it will constantly remain that way. Yeah. For a long, long time. But equally, I don't think I, I don't think one, you know, as you just said, when one, once a child is in education, I don't think they value it as much as when they finish. No. Um, de- depending, I think also on the the uh, the impact the parents have on them, mm. because if you've got if you've got parents that maybe weren't academically great at school. Mm. The, the guidance at home may not be as strong as what yep. the school is yep. giving, right? And that, that's quite hard to deal mm. with uh, as a teacher because mm. you want the best out of that student, but yet the stuff that they do at home might not be as important. Mm. Hard to combat. Um, assistant housemaster, I mean, is that, what is that, is that like, what does that involve? Does so... I live in the boarding house, okay. so I have a flat attached to the boarding house, and so there's 70 boys in the house, and basically one full day and another evening I am in charge of the house, so that's checking that they're all there at like various points of the day, and then it's saying goodnight to them in the evening, and put, literally putting them to bed in terms of saying go to your room, lights off and so on, um, and we're just there, we are their parents at school because they're with us for three weeks at a time, which can be, or a whole term at a time. Mm. And so we are their parents at school, pretty much. Um, do, so we... Sorry, do, do, mm. do, do international students find it harder? Mixture. Um, some do, only because it's like a culture shock of coming to England as well, and an England boarding school. And the, probably the weather. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of everything. But then equally, you have boys that feel the same kind of culture shock or just mm. homesick from being at home because or being in a, at home here and then going to school just because they miss family and home life do, do they find it hard or do they do they find it easy or hard to communicate with each other build friendships is that i would say no only because their their house is is their new home and within each year group they've got 12 to 14 boys and they build such a bond together because yeah. they're as that group for the next five years. Yeah. And so in the first year, we we massively encourage them to, we they do so many events as a as a team and as a group that even if not everyone's best friends within that year in that house, there's always someone that they are close to or similar to, to bring them together. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, I definitely say the relationships they build are amazing. They stick for a long time. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a teacher, do you get to travel? Do you get a lot of time? Well, not that you don't get time off, mm. but are you able to utilise that time off to, maybe not now, but previously, to travel? Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I mean, even this year, I've went away at half term. I'm going away at Christmas. <laughs> so I am still definitely obsessed with travelling. Yeah. Um, and I try and go away most holidays. Do you, do you find it difficult to, like, let go of those responsibilities and then be on holiday? Yes and no, it depends who I go with. So if I go away with school, other colleagues or other teaching staff just from other schools like my old school friends, it's hard because naturally we'll talk about various school things even if it's not what's actually happening. Um, Whereas if I go away with friends that aren't related, connected to a school or like my siblings or whatever else, then it is easier to switch off because you're not talking about school. Did your laptop come with you? Emails on the phone. Emails are on the phone, but it's minimal during holiday time. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, what 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 um what places have you been with this with this traveling? Where has it taken you? So I did a 
two months around South America. Oh, wow. Um, which what, was amazing. What did you do? Because South America is something I would love to be able to go and do. So I looked up, you know, the classic, like, tours of that you pay a ridiculous amount to do. I kind of looked at that and then copied that route. So, okay, fair enough. But <laughs> done, it, done it like without you done without it them own. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, started in Rio Brazil and then went down and just kind of did like a highlight of each country within South America and I just had like a few things that I really wanted to do so like Iguazu Falls I wanted to go to um, uh, there was a place in Argentina where it was like right by the Andes so we went skiing for a day and I went wine tasting Wow. and then up into the Amazon forest in Bolivia Wow. And Machu Picchu and Peru were like the th- things that Pinnacle kind of got me around. What What's the food like whilst, whilst you're out there? It's really good. It's uh, a lot of meat. A lot of meat in Argentina. Um, and then otherwise very like potato and bean based. Um, but it's all really like tasty. And Brazil? Same. Brazil. I'm trying to think. We weren't in Brazil for a long time. It was, yeah, probably similar. It's Bra- all. It's supposed to be quite dangerous, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... I went with an ex-boyfriend and I wouldn't have gone alone and I wouldn't have gone with a girlfriend. Just, I don't know, it just wouldn't have trust. felt safe. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a few countries just generally where it wouldn't have been. What's the infrastructure there? Like, is it built up or, or not so much? In parts, but a lot of it isn't. Um, or that it's getting there, but most of it is not. Because, you know, how we would just pop to shop to grab, yeah. like, a bottle of water or, you know, whatever you do, you know. Mm. Like, they probably live a very different... Well, they do live a very yeah. different life. Yeah. It's very family-orientated, very much like you don't... There's no need to go and spend that to... You no. Just, in it's a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a different way of living, for sure. What, like, hotel-wise? Was it a bit... Was it hotel or was it... Uh, hostels. Hostels, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, hostels mainly. Um, I'm trying to think back now because it was about five years ago. But it was, yeah, hostels. But then you meet so many different people that are doing either the, the route you're thing. doing or the opposite. So then yeah. you get tips of where to go. And it was a very much like the backtracker route that everyone does one way or the other. So that was two months, did you say? Two months, yeah. Two months. And how, were you just doing like a week in each place? A couple of nights, yeah. Is there a lot of travel time between the two? Or between so the you'd go on massive coaches, which... You just sit on for like eight hours overnight, or with loads of people. With loads of people, stink yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, you know how if you're on a flight, you never really want to push your seat back because you feel awkward. In South America, you're weird if you don't put your seat back. Literally, you get on the bus and absolutely everybody pushes their seat back. <laughs> so if you don't, you're kind of crammed in by everyone else doing it around you. I suppose so it was a long, long If everyone long does it, yeah, yeah. everyone does it, and so it allows you to then be able to like slightly sleep. But um, is it easy to move around? Like wanting to move to different places and stuff. Yeah, the buses are well connected, but I would say that's probably the only way to get around. So we flew up. We were in Bolivia, and we flew up further up in Bolivia to get to the rainforest. But that, other than that, it was all coaches and buses. How did you know, like, what once you got there, how did you know what to do? Did you just... you just Look things up. Um, did your phone work? Does Google work? Yeah, <laughs> phones does. They do have phones. No, there. I know that, obviously, they but in terms of, like, you know, bringing your phone over from the, did you have, like, from the UK, some, sometimes, like, if you're in a yes, remote it'd be, place... Yes, it was Wi-Fi only, so if, it would, if there wasn't Wi-Fi, we didn't have anything. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's what yeah. I meant, like, being out... <laughs> You know, so had I done it, had I had it been now, I would buy a SIM card for out there. 
Right. Because I've done that in America before and it works really well. But at the time, it was Wi-Fi only. So if we went to a really remote place, it was just no Wi-Fi for a few days. But it's actually quite nice. And you'd have to know um, the routes you were taking before. Yeah, you or just find ask advice from wherever you're staying and, like, the locals. Um, and I think I had one of the, like, the Lonely Planet guidebooks that also gave good advice of kind of where to go. What was your favourite place through South America? Um country bolivia right it just the language was easier to speak and so i can speak a little bit of spanish like okay. conversational worse now than when i was out there and and before um but it bolivia the language was easier to understand than like in peru or chile chile was impossible just the accent just like accents here probably set their own dialect as well yeah um and it was just so fascinating just seeing the people in the culture because they've done um, the Top Gear thing, right? Through, mm, through Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the salt flats of Bolivia. Um, it's just, they've probably done a pretty similar route to yeah. you. Yeah. It's just the scenery and the culture is just fascinating. Um, but it's not, it, it's definitely not a luxurious, uh, there probably are luxurious parts. It's, right? a, it's a backpackers holiday. It is a backpackers holiday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what, what, uh, what else has been like one of your top places that you visited? Um, in the world. In the world. Um, so I was very fortunate to go on a school trip to Nepal. Oh, wow. And that equally, it's the culture, is just incredible because it's so different to here. Um, or Thailand, one of my favourite countries. Yeah. Everything, we've often said this, that London is all, or England itself is like, mm. a hun- well, actually more London than England is like, is more 100 miles an hour out in those places like it's just everything so chilled yeah yeah just a better way of life it's just like different food and it's normally so tasty and so simple and cheap why do we choose london <laughs> good question i chase the sun so i definitely shouldn't <laughs> be living in england because we don't get that much either <laughs> it is it is uh it, it's very interesting to, as to why so many people come to london or surrounding areas i think it's because of people so I moved up to London two years ago because my friends were in London post university and I felt like I wanted to be there with where my friends were but actually many people said to me well why don't you go and teach abroad because obviously teaching I can go and take to an international school or any school really Um, but it's the friends and family that makes me not want to do it Mm. because there's something in us that like we hold ourselves to that as home yeah I can't put my finger on it either. No. I often ask myself this. is like a lot of people choose London to be like their base. They mm. want to work mm. here, you know, whether it be... It, it could also do, you know, maybe there is, there is that sense of belief of, of, of going to work out there mm. or wherever that might be, is that the value of what you're earning would be very different to what you're mm. in London. Um, but I think we get attached. What's, um, what's uh, on your bucket list of places have you have you seen a lot of places yeah i think i'm on like 35 countries maybe i have got a list somewhere (laughs) um bucket list scuba diving anywhere tropical so like the maldives or the cayman islands is definitely up there but i need a lot more money uh to be able to afford that so that's a, a a later thing um new zealand I really want to get to and I might have the chance to go next year so I'm really no two years time it's a very outdoorsy life right yeah um 
and I know friends that have gone and it's very much you go from one adventure thing to the next and it just sounds amazing and scenic is that to teach or is that to take some time no just to go and have a bit of time down there yeah yeah, yeah. so use the summer holidays or that, because New Zealand and Australia are two very popular places for people to go and do that especially mm. with the Brits mm. they uh they find that like that then although we're saying it people would like, like to be in London they equally Australia and New Zealand are two very ho- I think it's because they're so similar to England are they yeah have, so you, have you been to Australia I've been to Australia I just did three weeks over Christmas um one year which was on the beach it was interesting <laughs> I it was just bizarre wearing like a swimming costume and a Santa hat <laughs> on the beach just felt wrong having a barbecue and I just felt like by the time the next Christmas came around I was like it hasn't been Christmas forever because it'd been yeah, because what it felt been... like two years yeah 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 um, no I'm definitely a cold winter person for Christmas but it as a country is very similar to how we work in terms of where they are um, in terms of development and, and just general yeah. lifestyle apart from they have the sun <laughs> and we don't yeah um, Christmas on the beach then um, that that obviously not a roast dinner. No, it was a barbie. It is a barbie. Is yeah. it like yeah. So it was a kind of classic buy what we could and had like steak and we did I think it was steak and prawns on the barbecue because they just have free barbecues on the beach that you can just use and just oh, wash up after and you're done. So you don't have to have a barbecue. You just So they've got that on like most beaches they'll have like a barbecue station. Built in. Mm-hmm. And you just got to bring the coal. Uh yeah, or sometimes it's all gas done anyway and it's all like there so you don't have to bring anything other than that the food that is so encouraging and then you just got to clean it up Do you, you don't have to book it it's just if it's free just if it's free how, how, on uh, you know I don't know if you can answer this but like on a mile worth of beach yeah. how many stations would there be so I'm trying to think where did we go where there was um, I suppose <sighs> someone's not going to be on it for hours right no and like so I was thinking we went to one beach and it was kind of the beach wasn't massive but I think there was maybe eight different barbecue like stations stations and then they've got benches around it so you'd see massive families having a whole family gathering using this barbecue to cook and then just having the benches and people around and it normally they're kind of sheltered as well so um, that's amazing yeah it's just really cool what, what are the australian people like uh, of like uh, just pretty cool everyone's pretty yeah, chilled yeah pretty chilled yeah just, i think it's the sun that does it to people i'm telling you it's the sun <laughs> makes everyone a nicer person <laughs> yeah, it does even when the sun comes out here everyone is so much more happier i know it's i just, think it does do things with mental health yeah yeah absolutely but I, I think i'm born to be in the sun yeah um, and uh, <laughs> the sun does have that impact on it it just makes you feel mm. a lot a lot better um, so, so they're, they're, they're on the list um, for you to, to well, sorry, New Zealand's on the list for you New to Zealand's go. on the H- list. How long are you planning on? Uh... Well, I'm hopefully going to have, I've applied and waited to hear for a teacher's conference to be down there um, in two years' time, of which I'd be there for a week during a conference, but then I'd hopefully stay on for maybe three weeks, four weeks after that, because it'll be my summer holiday. Right. So I'll have the time and luxury to be able to stay down there for a bit longer. Fine. Um, and and what um, apart from holidays or, or that that what what's in the future for you? What are you looking to like? Anything looking to tick anything off over the next? <laughs> uh, no idea, to be honest. No idea. I very much I kind of do the things as I enjoy doing them, and yeah. So I would like to be a rescue diver soon. Oh wow! In terms of qualification wise, so I've just in the half term gone did my wreck diving. And I love it. So I'd like to go to the next level of that. 
But what is that? What's the next level of that? What does that mean? So rescue diving basically means that you will learn and be more capable of dealing with emergencies when you're underwater. So you are, you'd be a more responsible diver because if you come into problems or your buddy comes into problems, you would know how to deal with it rather than the basic training of scuba diving. You don't really learn what to do in an emergency other than if your air stops, take your buddy's emergency one. But you don't learn a lot of the procedures otherwise in terms of the decompression time if you've gone too deep and so on. Um, wow. So... That is definitely something for you to be in the sun. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not doing that here. <laughs> no. That would be cold. I've, I was going to say, I dived once in Cornwall and it was cold. And yeah. it was cool, but not fussed about it again. Yeah, it, so. I could imagine. Um, so it, is, is, is that... I wouldn't, it, it's not a change of career, right? It's just oh, something no. that you... It's just you, a past, like a hobby. Yeah. 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 Do you get out and do that as much as you can? So I try and do it. So like... Obviously, with COVID, I haven't done much. Um, but if I'm going on holiday somewhere, I would always try and see, because most of the time I would choose a beach holiday. So I would always try and see if there's diving. And because I'm qualified, I can now just turn up and say, hi, can I dive? And yeah. they say, record reef. So um, I'm trying to pick up where I dive in different places. Wow. And then what about uh, in terms of fitness? Uh, anything specific in that you wanted to get out from fitness in the next three to six months? Mm. Well, I don't really know how I'd be able to like gauge like a point of which I feel like I am at a certain level um but I think it's more consistency and like routine that I'm aiming for um just in terms of with my work life and then equally having massive chunks of time off makes it really hard to stick to a routine which isn't term time as I am routine to work yeah um your time off is not necessarily going to be spent in a gym environment that fitness is a big part of it but also mm. so is going to do things that well that's you... the thing so like my time off I'm often trying to get away and out of the country or somewhere else so it's hard to stay to a routine yeah which isn't school and holiday based <laughs> um, so I think I don't know within the next six months it's more just trying to see if I can stay and get more into a better routine, routine. of it and sticking to it yeah yeah and keep so, motivation. New Zealand on the cards, the diving on the cards, and consistency on the cards, and that's what we're looking for for the next three to six months. Well, actually, New Zealand's a little bit longer, right? Yeah, not till like the following summer. Amazing, Catherine. Thank you very much for your time today. Been a pleasure, guys and girls. See you next week. <laughs>